0: That's IXL.com slash BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out ConradChallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at ConradChallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, go check that out as well at transformativeprincipalorg slash Nancy Conrad.
1: My name is Jennifer Kronk from the Assist Learning Podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one.
0: So a little tangent there, but <laughs> so what one of the other things that I needed to ask you according to Kimberly <laughs> was your vision for or- Oregon schools and facilitating that through COSA which is the School Administrator Council of School Administrators of Oregon is that right
2: Confederation of Oregon School Administrators
0: yeah
1: ah, well whatever yes. there, there are umbrella organization for our our branches of NASSP and NASP, as well as our central office organization, our superintendent's organization and those. So I'll let Rachel start on that one.
2: So what what's our vision for Oregon schools?
0: Yeah. And then what are you doing through COSA to support schools in the state? Because Kimberly's saying that you're doing a lot of great stuff and it's really impressive and you guys must be in leadership there.
2: Yeah, so John is actually the the state rep for NASSP, so he sits on the secondary board, and then um, I'm the past president of the elementary branch, and just recently moved into the NAESP uh, representative for for the state of Oregon. So one of the big the big overarching themes for the elementary end has been to really level up our pre-K involvement and our pre-K professional development for elementary schools um, had a lot of increase in funding. And so a lot of schools have started to really add elementary schools with pre-K programs or expand them. And so that is something that as principals, we don't have a lot of training on. And coming from a secondary background down to the elementary, uh, I had a whole very distorted vision of what pre-K would look like <laughs> and how you would need that instructionally. And so we've really, really tried to, to focus on that and also provide a really strong lens with trauma-informed practices. And COSA has partnered with Oregon ASCD with that, which we're involved with as well, to really help support teachers and educators as we have kids coming in with a lot more trauma and exposure and kind of explosive behaviors than what we've had in the past. The other lens to that which ties into the national level is a, a stronger voice for advocacy. We went to DC back when, you know, part of the principle of the year thing is that you go visit your representatives and folks in D C and that was six years ago, five years ago, and it was very eye opening for both of us because our our folks in D C had no clue about the the ramifications of the choices that they made or um
1: the impacts the- it has on on us at the school level, let alone the state as a whole.
2: Yeah. So that was a big eye-opener for us that we brought that message back to a lot of folks in Oregon and at COSA about the need to really advocate for education and to step outside our comfort zone and to be able to get involved and not necessarily lobby, but speak up and have that voice about what does it look like when your, your title funds are sequestered? What does it look like when they try to cut Title IIA? What does that look like within the classroom? What about, you know, 4A? All that, all the different A's that you can think of. What does it actually mean? And so we've really tried to level that up and increase the voice that we have coming out of Oregon.
1: And and in our positions now, providing that feedback to our state organizations and to our state representatives and senators is, is key too, because our legislators don't understand that yes, we get federal monies, but those federal monies have such regulation and such standards on them that they have to be sent in, spent in such particular ways that it's just not part of the budget. You know what I mean? It isn't those things that we get to do free willy-nilly around with. We've we've worked real hard to create a significant partnership with the Department of Education, and as well as our Oregon School Boards Association, to develop common themes for our state in terms of what do all of these organizations need to be able to, to lobby for in, in our own state that will move us forward? You know, we recently have passed in the state of Oregon a large ballot measure that created a funding stream for career and technical education. It's our job then to go about and help lead people and create conversations about, OK, how do we what do we do with this money that we're receiving? One big thing in, in any you know governmental structure and even and even in school district structure is right. There's this money available at the state level. Write a grant and you get this pot of money. Tell us what you're going to do with it. But there really isn't, and I go, <laughs> I'm kind of a systems guy and a structure guy, but you, there really isn't the guideline as to, it's kind of like the ESSA thing. There's not a, really a guideline as to what you can and can't do. It's you get to do what you think you need to do. Tell us why you think you need to do it and how you're going to do it. And then give us feedback on what's happening in the moment. And John, that
0: that sounds so wonderful. And yet, without that, that, you know, fill in the blank, like we may have had in days of old, where, you know, you basically just say, yeah, I need it because our students have free and reduced lunch, it takes a lot more focus and being able to think in systems and structures of what you actually need, and how you're going to use it. So for example, our district got awarded recently a grant from Dodia, because we have a large military population up here in Fairbanks. Right. And we got, part of that was to provide student learning coaches, which we interpreted that what we need is people who can work with our teachers and students on, uh, the other part of the grant was to get a bunch of money for uh, devices. So we need a person who can specifically build a library of resources to help us know how to use the technology so that we have some just in time training for our students and for our teachers. And then that person can also help our teachers do the technical aspect of getting getting their coursework online and in a LMS that you know, we've used with varying levels of success. But we just need someone who can do that all the time and and that's how we were able to use that money. And that is, that is going to be so fantastic for our school because that's an area where everybody thinks everybody
1: else is teaching kids how to use technology effectively. <laughs> and, yeah. and really nobody is, right? Exactly. You can get all the devices you want and it, the bells and whistles, but if what do you do with it is the most important part. You know, along those lines too, we across the state and in my district in particular, we have monies called it, what are titled collaboration grant. So we have started to perform teacher walkthroughs where groups of teachers led by instructional coaches go into teacher classrooms and they do observations on the teachers and talk about it and provide feedback to one another about what they saw in relation to our evaluation rubric. And this has been a really powerful program for us. And it's even led to us looking into changing the structure of our evaluation system where it's not solely based upon what the principal sees feels thinks or hears they can go and they can do a walkthrough on a teacher and they can go and provide feedback which then counts as an observation for them based upon the feedback that they give the other instructors so yeah so, so it's a more joint ownership of the instructional process and what happens in a classroom and that's that's had a pretty. We're in the in the baby stages of that. We're not specifically doing that in my school, but in another middle school in my district is taking that on, and and they're seeing some real great gains. That sounds like an exciting way to approach that.
0: All right. So we talked about pre-K involvement, trauma informed practices, uh, stronger voice for advocacy, building relationships with school boards and other associations. Let's talk a little bit about how you're doing trauma informed practices how you're in integrating that because that's something that I'm very interested in that I see a great need for. And as I've, I've been talking with uh, people who listen to the podcast, who filled out my listener survey, and then I followed up and said let's schedule a call and talk and trauma-informed practices has come up quite a few times. So what is it that you guys are doing statewide on that?
2: No, that that's a great question. And I think we're going into year three of that focus statewide and it kind of actually, it came up in an Oregon ASCD board meeting, and um I hate to admit it, but I was like, "Trauma informed." Do you mean like people got like hurt at school and like they need help? Like I didn't understand what it was at first, which is kind of embarrassing to say. So I had to, I had to do a lot of, it. of <laughs> Yeah,
1: but that's a but that's a big point of it. You know, it's it's another acronym. It's it's CRT. It's PBIS. It's TIP. It's whatever it is, but. It's an the first big piece of what we did as and as the ASCD board was to bring in uh, Pete Hall and Kristen Sowers. Oh, love their book! Oh. Yeah, so they're, they, hey, you should get them. You should get them live; they're even better.
2: Oh, they're a kick! So we actually put together, you know, um, a conference proposal, and I would say that that's a really big strength of the state of Oregon. Depending on, regardless, of actually of what agency you're looking at is that we're very responsive to what needs are for educators in the state. And so we put this conference together thinking maybe we'd have like a hundred people show up and it was a trauma informed summit. It, was, it We now have it every January and uh, we got Kristen Pete to come in, you know, cause their new, their first book had just come out. Um, they had done a couple podcasts on ASCD, learn, teach, lead radio. Great, great stuff club, nice um, By the way, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Pete actually lives in Idaho, which is right next door. And then Kristen's the state above us. So talk about like really great location to come down to Portland. So we brought him in and it sold out within like two weeks. And we were like, what is this? So that, um, we, it, had, it to actually, a huge we had to need. actually
1: go to a, a backup conference for him too. And that led then to a of to a series of seminars that they put on for us, but that that first step and that thing you're talking about is really that awareness of the trauma. The teachers come in and they see their classroom of kids as a classroom of kids, and they to get to what you were talking about. Very when we first started about that personalized learning, how can you personalize learning unless you know or have an idea about did the kid get breakfast? Did the kid have dinner the night before? what happened in the home, you know, you don't get into the absolute bottom line personalized stuff. But if they're carrying baggage and all of our kids are carrying baggage and you don't have an idea or a way to identify that, how are they supposed to learn? How can you address that need in the classroom? And, and it's been a, a growth process to really opening our eyes to those things that children nowadays are going through. That also bleeds over to staff and what staff are going through. And and that awareness in and of itself really helps the culture in the building but can focus down to that personalized level that you're striving for.
2: So so in Oregon, we had some ESDs that were doing some great work and they were working in collaboration with some districts and superintendents. And so we had some really great silos that had some, you know, really, really great work going on. So with the. Whole Child Summit where we were focusing on trauma-informed practice, Chris and Pete just did an overlay of kind of like trauma-informed practice kind of 101. Bases. And then we brought in those silos of folks doing great work, and they shared out, which then was phenomenal. People were able to make connections with folks throughout the state that were doing the work that were a couple years into that journey. And then it flowed into, like we had mentioned, the the seminar series. And they were actually three different levels. Um, There were a lot of folks that didn't get in on that first conference. And so they didn't have that background information. So Kristen and Pete continued to do kind of like a trauma-informed practice 101 series. And they went through the state of Oregon and hit different geographic regions because we have some metro areas and then some really rural areas that... Um, are super far, and sometimes travel costs inhibit them from attending. Uh, The second series that they then presented throughout the year were how to implement it and what that would look like within your building, uh, what would it look like within your district. And then the third section of it was leadership. How is a leader to help your teachers within the classrooms, your schools, all of the different stakeholders implement it and support them? And so that was a really phenomenal series, and we were able to connect a, a lot of folks together. We're coming up on our, our third annual one, I believe, um, in January, Adam welcome's going to be coming in. We're excited about that. Um, kids
0: deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: So That's a really good voice, but yeah. there's a lot of customization because each place is different. Each person's trauma is a little different and we've def- definitely have developed a network to be able to share ideas. And,
1: and that's, that's one of the important pieces that that we've tried to focus on with our staffs and in particular, you know, the teaching with poverty, with brain and mind, students of poverty, the culturally responsive teaching, the trauma-informed practice, all of those best practices and all of those philosophies and theories really focus on the same kinds of things. So one of the most, to me, one powerful thing that, that I did with my staff was take all those best practices and then as teams, you know, grade level teams in our building, What things do we need to focus on? What practices do we need to be uniform in, in our classrooms to provide that stability that students that are facing trauma, whether it be because of poverty or be because of culture, et cetera, et cetera. What things do we need to make stable in our classrooms that we are doing the same to let kids know that it's, they know the system, they know what they're supposed to do. So there isn't that level of anxiety or angst because, oh, this is different, or I'm not sure how I'm supposed to do this which then interrupts the learning process because they're so upset or so, you know, emotional about, they don't understand. So. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you that that piece that culturally responsive teaching and
0: trauma informed and personalizing learning, those are all the same things and they're just different ways of looking at that same piece, which is really, you have to see students as individuals and you can't see them as just this big group. Right. And so that, that piece for me, that's why our focus has been personalizing learning, because anything that helps us personalize learning is, is good for us to continue doing. And anything that takes us back to a factory model is just not worth it for us. We've got to individualize. And it's so stinking hard, but it's so important that we've got to put in the effort. So if there's a principle out there, you talked a lot about a lot of great things how do principals get involved in your state organization or in their own state organization? I know in Alaska, there's always need for people to be involved.
1: How do how do you suggest people go about getting involved? Well, there, there's a number of ways, actually, you know, just a through participation in the conferences that our organization puts on, you know, monthly, um, and actually multiple times monthly, COSA leads and puts on, everything from early learning to Ell to special ed conferences to law conferences for our administrative for our administrative um, group in the state of Oregon but just contacting us and saying you want to be involved there's all there's always work to do you know to help others in the state and we we need we need that help actually we have board positions that open up regularly which we put out for membership to uh, to uh, apply to run for, and we have a vote for it. And then, you know, we we bring. But even if you're the not fold, on the
2: board, like we always need help planning conference conferences, development, yeah, and putting those together. And that's a great way to get your foot in the door. But we always need help. We always need leaders that are willing to step up and help with the lifting because it's a it's a big job. It at is. Times.
1: It is. You know, and it, and it's difficult for administrators that have, you know, small children or families at home and those kinds of things. But involvement at any level is helpful and, and it carries on the great things that we have going on here in our state.
2: You become a stronger leader, the networking, the ideas, the sharing, um, expanding your professional learning network is huge. And being able to have those face-to-face conversations and interactions, that's been a huge game changer. For well, me.
1: and it also helps us at our, at our own level, being able to bring back ideas to our districts and our buildings. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's all true. And you're you're speaking from your
0: experience in Oregon, but for those of you listening outside of Oregon, the same holds true in every other state and province and whatever else you are all around the world. There are people who, who want help and support. So the last question that I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? And I want each of you to answer that on your own, unless it's the same answer. And then you can just say
1: ditto. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's pretty much the same answer.
2: Get into classrooms and support teachers. Make sure that you're not holing up in your office. Get out, get out, get out and get into classrooms, spend time in there and engage in conversations with teachers about how things are going and ask how things are going, ask how you can support them. That's where the real power comes from and the real change.
1: And it's the easiest thing to do, but it's the hardest thing to do. To get out of your office because of the managerial tasks that we have associated with the position. But the kids need to see your face, the teachers need to see your face, and you need to personalize that too when you do get out. It's not just about what's going on in terms of the instruction, but it's what's going on with the people. Yeah, very good. Well,
0: thank you so much. I encourage people to, uh, if they want to learn more about you, you can uh, follow you both on Twitter and go to 24hourprinciples.tumblr.com. Um links to all that are in the show notes. And uh Rachel and John, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle today.
2: You bet it was an honor. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too.
0: Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments?